Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. In Russia, this is State of the Union Address Day for... Mr. Putin, I'm sure Joseph Lindsley has a few thoughts on that. Let's go to Ukraine right now and check in with Joe. How are you today, Joseph? Bob, good afternoon from Kiev. Sunny day. And uh, there's the news we have this morning that uh, Ukrainians have destroyed three more of the Russian Su-34 fighter jets. Uh, and if, if this is all indeed true, uh, it's extraordinary because that means in the past 11 days, Ukrainians have destroyed 13 Russian planes, including fighter jets and the A-50 plane that could be used to, to, to launch and control operations. Uh, this is pretty extraordinary. Uh, the success Ukrainians are having, uh, and so there, there's a good uh, energetic feeling about that. Uh, meanwhile, here you know, in Kiev, I mean, I, I, you know, I spent so much of January and February in Kharkiv where you have to deal with the possibility of missile attacks at any moment. And it's a very different feeling to be here in Kiev, where, you know, those attacks are much less frequent. And when they do happen, you have a pretty good sense that, you know, the city's pretty well protected uh, by the Patriot missiles and other air defense. And I was talking with some friends here about this yesterday. You know, it's hard to remember sometimes in these moments of seeming calm, you know, as you see the city, you know, people going about their lives, uh, that, that, you know, even the moments of calm are a strategic move. You know, the Kremlin and you know, Russia has made it clear uh, the, the goal is the destruction of Ukraine as a society, uh, the capture of Kiev still. And perhaps we'll hear some of that uh, in, in Putin's remarks uh, today. Uh, but but he, they've never been shy about saying that. And so it's a chilling thing to consider that even in these moments of calm, there, there are people in the Kremlin uh, every moment working for the destruction of this country. And so there's never really, even if it seems calm, you know, and this is what everyone here is saying. You have to keep reminding yourselves that, you know, that's, you must stay focused and fit and doing everything you can uh, to work for victory uh, because, because really there's no calm. There's always, uh, you know, the fighting at the front lines. Uh, there's always uh, places, you know, especially frontline cities getting attacked. And there's always someone preparing uh, for, for your destruction. And we had, uh, speaking of continued destruction, the uh, Russians yesterday in Kharkiv region a little city called Kupiansk, uh, which I was nearby recently, uh, they, they attacked and uh, they, they've been attacking that city frequently. And it really is some of the most intense fighting is in that vicinity. And the Russians hit a church and a cafe. And among the victims was a Ukrainian priest. A, uh, I think he was, a, he was an evangelical pastor. And he was murdered. He was killed by the Russian attack. And this is another story that hasn't been told very often. And, you know, there's a strange narrative that the Russians have pushed about religion and trying to make themselves seem like the great trident, uh, defenders of orthodoxy and of religion. And in fact, it's Russia that is attacking Christians uh, throughout Ukraine, uh, not just because Ukraine is one of the most Christian countries in Europe where people actually go to church. Uh, so, you know, de facto, Russia is attacking a Christian society, but they're literally targeting, especially Protestant churches in occupied places uh, in the city of Melitopol, which has been occupied for almost two years now, uh, down in, in southern Ukraine, uh, the, the, the Russians have, and I was speaking with pastors from there uh, who are now in exile, 
the Russians have either destroyed or occupied every single Protestant or evangelical church. Uh, some of them they've just bombed to smithereens, and others they make into Russian cultural centers, and they replace the crosses with Russian flags. And in fact, uh, an American who's here doing a lot of good work, Stephen Moore, uh, has a video interviewing people who escaped from there, and you can see footage of what the Russians have done to these evangelical churches, because they, they hate anything that they can't totally control. And so, so they hate independent thinkers, they hate religions that are not theirs. And uh, if you go to our website, ukrainianfreedomnews.com, uh, you can see on the top left, you can, you can watch this, this haunting video of how the Russians have been attacking Christians, and something that continued again yesterday uh, with the death of that pastor, Pastor Klimko, age 58, who died in his church. Joe, do you think the Russians are having a problem getting more soldiers to fight? I was reading about a member of the Ukrainian parliament who has studied this issue, and he estimates between 1,500 and 3,000 Cubans have enlisted in, in, in the Russian attack on Ukraine. And they're, they're offering something like $2,000 a salary, which, of course, is a lot better than what they get in Cuba, where the average monthly wage is less than $20. So they're getting two grand a month for fighting there. What are you hearing about that? Anything? Yeah, we've heard a smattering of such stories uh, a couple of days ago. I think it was uh, uh, guys from, from India... I'm not sure, but there was uh, who were uh, approached. Uh, that, that, or, uh, they were working in the Middle East, so I think they were from India, and they saw some advertisements uh, online for, "Oh, come work in Russia. We'll pay you good money." But it didn't say what the work was. Hmm. And when they got to Russia, the work was, "Oh, you're in the army," uh, hmm. and it was very difficult for them to, to to get out of there. I'm pretty sure they were Indian. Uh, so we have seen this, and I just saw uh, a video which I can't share of uh, of. Uh, uh, Friends who were at the front line, Ukrainians, and they uh, captured, uh, well, they were in a fight, and then the Russians surrendered. And, and it looks like what they captured was included many non-Russians. Uh, and so, yeah, perhaps, you know, I mean, this is, you know, part of what they're doing. We know Russia has sent prisoners, uh, everything they can, but they still, they have tons and tons, you know, they have access to people. Uh, I don't, I don't, you know, I think that that's because they don't value human life, perhaps, you know, certainly as much, um, I think personnel is not a problem. And, I, you know, this is uh, the, the it's always, you know, the, I mean, everything is sort of on a spectrum, right? I mean, they're Ukrainian. Ukrainians are having victories and, and, and there, are, there are successes. But then there's always a possibility of, you know, of something, you know, of, of greater loss happening. And, and, you know, we can talk about, you know, we talked about before about the headlines that say beleaguered Ukraine or war-torn Ukraine. But you can also say defiant Ukraine. And, and it's, it's always sort of a dance between these two ideas because we are in this in-between. I mean, every moment is a battle. Uh, yesterday at the European Parliament, uh, Alexei Navalny's widow, and by the way, Ukrainians, they, they never liked Navalny. They don't trust anything uh, about him, um, even in death. And uh, his widow was speaking at the uh, European Parliament. And she said uh, that, not, uh, she, you know, she was saying, we, she was one of the first times she's actually mentioned Ukraine, by the way. Uh, and she said, nothing is working. Uh, she, and, and, and she said, the whole world, you know, came to Ukraine's aid. But two years have passed. There's much exhaustion. Everything has already been used and nothing is working. And, I, you know, that, that's not that's maybe the narrative of someone who is giving up, who's a victim, uh, which maybe is the Russian mindset. But that's not true. You know, if, A, everything has not been used. Um, the fact that 
the United States and others introduced 500 new sanctions on Russia after the death of Navalny. 500 tells us that, well, why didn't they do those before? You know, when Christian churches are being blown up or, you know, uh, kids are being killed in their beds and cities are invaded. You know, why? So clearly not everything has been used. We know that there's plenty of uh, long-range weapons and fighter jets uh, that have not been sent. Uh, and, and, they, and yet things are working. I mean, you know, yet Ukraine uh, this winter, the winter's almost over, uh, had electricity and power and heat, unlike last year. Uh, the, the Black Sea Corridor, uh, Ukrainians are, you know, delivering more grain uh, through their hard work and through military efforts than they did when they had the treaty with Russia and the United Nations. So that's working. And we see, the, you know, all these jets that are, I mean, it's sort of mysterious for everyone. Uh, I mean, it is kind of bizarre. All these jets that are getting shot down these past weeks, three just this morning and 13 in 11 days, uh, it's putting a smile on people's face, not making people complacent, I'd say, but some things are working. And, and if, you, if you can say both of those things at once, like, okay, there's more that needs to be done, but some things are working, uh, just start to do more. Uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's, I think, the message from everyone here. Joseph Lindsley in Ukraine. Joe, I hope you uh, get a peaceful break on your sunny day there in one of those Kiev cafes you tell us about. Indeed. I'm going to go for a run right now in the sunshine under peaceful skies, and we'll see what happens. (laughs) Hopefully nothing. Thank you, Joe. We'll talk to you tomorrow. (laughs)